Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Hey, everybody, it is Devin, and all this week we're sharing a series we produced last summer about policing in Vallejo. This is the second episode in that series, which is hosted and reported by Erica Cruz Guevara. Before Willie McCoy, there was Ronald Foster, and before Ronald Foster, there was Angel Ramos. Ramos was shot and killed in his mother's backyard in Vallejo on January 23rd, 2017. And Angel's family has pieced together a much different narrative from police's story of what happened the night he was killed. Today, in episode two of our series on policing in Vallejo, we look into the 2017 shooting of Angel Ramos, a case the Solano County District Attorney's Office has deemed a lawful shooting by Vallejo police. What happened in Ramos's case can help us understand what David Harrison, who we met in the first episode, is just beginning to go through now. What happens when you take on an institution that we're meant to trust? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Welcome to the Bay. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest, and I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. A trigger warning before we get started. This episode contains descriptions of police violence. All right, so we just parked outside of the house of Angel Ramos. 
The house where Angel Ramos lived is a quaint little green corner home off a busy street in Vallejo. When we pulled up, I noticed these pictures and large letters pinned to the fence, blowing in the wind. You want to describe it? There's like a little vigil here. It says R.I.P. Angel and has some photos of him, a heart, a big heart. Hi, Hi. Hello. This is Devin. Hi, it's good to meet you. We're here to meet Alicia Sadler, Angel Ramos's older sister. Alicia has short, black, curly hair that's partly pulled away from her face. She has a gold nose ring and some tattoos peeking out near her shoulders. She's got these full, curled eyelashes that make her eyes look awake. And she shows us around the house, where there are remnants of her late brother, Angel Ramos, everywhere. Um, this over here... We got this made for the first march that we did for his one-year anniversary. Vallejo police shot and killed Angel in 2017. There's a little photo of Oscar Grant, Willie McCoy, and Ronnell Foster on this small table. All men shot and killed by police. Alicia pretty much knows all their family members now. They've all protested at Vallejo City Council meetings together. Alicia takes us to her mom's room. There's a blanket on the bed with a photo printed on it. And is this blanket of Angel also? Yeah, I'm gonna put her down. She sleep with that like every night. Mm -hmm. On this blanket with Angel's photo printed on it, Angel looks like he's growing out his facial hair. He's got this curly hair that's hovering above his shoulders. I always had like a short haircut. He tried the long thing for a while, it didn't work. Angel was 21, a middle child. He was funny and adventurous. He loved the outdoors, loved hiking. He was my bug killer because I'm terrified of bugs. He was also that brother in the house who made stuff. He was very good at fixing anything. Like He built a fan like from parts that he found around the house before. But Alicia says music was Angel's life. Here's one of his tracks. You left me in the cold, girl, why you had to do that? He rapped, thought he could sing a little bit. Um, He made his own beats, just, yeah, stuff like that. He was totally into music. Alicia's family, including Angel, grew up in Oakland. Their mom decided to move the family to Vallejo in 2011 because she thought it would be safer. Street violence was really bad. None of us wanted to leave. We loved Oakland. Like, that's literally where we grew up. Everybody around there was like family, and we didn't want to leave. But he was having a lot of trouble with, like, other gang people. And my mom was just scared that he would die, and as well as my little brother, Dante. And so we picked up and we moved to Vallejo. And their mom's plan had worked. It was safer for Angel and Vallejo in the beginning. Things were good, like they didn't get in no trouble out here. They were going to school just once they got older, working, and then the cops killed my brother. That was the one thing my mom was afraid of, of losing her kids. and. That's why she brought us out here, only for a cop to kill my brother. So it's kind of, not kind of, it's really messed up. 
The shooting took place at Alicia's mom's house, where I'm talking to her. It happened shortly after 12.30 in the morning. And when I first started asking Alicia about the night of the shooting, this gathering where this all went down, Alicia corrected me. I'm wondering if you could sort of tell me a little bit about that night. I understand there was like a party happening here. What were you guys celebrating? It wasn't a party. Here's the interesting thing about this seemingly small detail. It's actually kind of a big deal to Alicia. Police say that night they got calls from neighbors about a fight at a large party. So that's the language police and, as a result, the media rolled with to describe what happened that night. The dead man was 21 years old. The confrontation happened around 1230 this morning outside of a party on Sacramento Street. Officers encountered several... Each of us really didn't have, like, a lot of friends. We just hung out with each other, and that was something we did every weekend, even during the week. Like, we would just hang out, drink, watch movies, and it was, like, never a party. Alicia and her family feel like the police crafted a narrative from this little detail, this word, party, and spun it to make the situation less sympathetic to Angel. And it was clear to me that Alicia wanted to correct the record on this detail from police's narrative. Because the perceptions or suspicions that come to mind when police say the shooting happened at a party are much different than at a family gathering. So that night, we were going to watch movies. And we were drinking, and then it just kind of turned to more so music and dancing and just, like, having a good time. But it wasn't like a party how the media tried to put it out there. It was people who lived here. So at the house that night was Alicia, her siblings, their partners, and an extended family member. Alicia's kids were there, too. And I asked her to walk me through what she remembers from that night. So... This is a little difficult for me because I was highly intoxicated. There's a lot of stuff that I don't remember. They'd been drinking, so the details are a bit blurry for Alicia. But here's what I learned from reading police reports and the Solano County District Attorney's report of the shooting. Vallejo police say they received 911 calls about a, quote, disturbance involving a large party of subjects fighting with weapons at the house. The fight started over family stuff, and Angel got involved. So I just remember everybody fighting, and I remember hearing something about cops and getting down. The police report says officers Zachary Jacobson and Matthew Samita arrived on scene and ran over to the backyard fence. Above them, about 15 to 20 meters away, is a second-story wooden porch. It's attached to the back of the house where the fight is happening. The officers announce themselves and tell everyone to break it up, but no one listens. I remember screaming, don't shoot. Like, I could see my kids standing in the doorway, and I was, like, crying and screaming for them not to shoot. Meanwhile, Officer Zachary Jacobson is watching Angel with his firearm out. Things happen fast. According to the DA's report, Jacobson said he saw Angel come rushing towards another guy, that he saw Angel kneeling or, quote, hovering on top of the guy. And this is probably the most significant detail. Officer Jacobson said he had an unobstructed view of Angel with a large kitchen knife, making stabbing motions toward the guy underneath him. Jacobson told DA investigators that, quote, it was at that point that I thought the only thing I could do to save this guy's life was to shoot the man who was trying to stab him. Officer Jacobson shoots Angel four times. 
my nine-year-old seen he heard the shots and then saw Angel hit the ground and like he immediately called my mom and was like granny I think the cops just killed Angel because I heard gunshots and he dropped to the floor and there's a bunch of blood coming from him. Now, what happens next is a little confusing and kind of odd. According to the DA's report, at least one officer didn't even know whether their officers were the ones getting shot at. Police reports describe officers moving through the house, clearing each room for a potential threat. And eventually, they realized the gunfire came from Officer Jacobson. They came in all through the house looking for somebody who shot Angel. And here it was their own officer. Things were really chaotic throughout all of this. Alicia remembers being tasered. According to the police report, police ordered Alicia to move or be arrested so that a medic could get to Angel's body. An officer grabs her and she pulls away. So they taser her. She's taken to the Solano County Jail, where Vallejo police detectives try to question her. She has no idea what happened to Angel until a detective tells her. They just like nothing told me he's dead. And not I'm sorry or nothing. But yeah, that's like, those are the parts that I remember from that night. Alicia and her family were in shock. They lost their fixer, their protector, their bug killer, their brother and their son. And I can tell it was hard for Alicia to retell the events of that night. In fact, the entire time we're talking, Alicia held on to this tiny eight-week-old puppy, I imagine, for comfort. Alicia's son, who was nine at the time, remembers everything. She says it bothers him to this day that he had to see his uncle lying on the floor like that, bleeding. The day of the shooting, police sent out a press release of what they say happened. Here's what it said. Police arrived on scene after receiving calls from neighbors about a large party and several people apparently fighting with weapons. The police, quote, encountered two subjects involved in a physical fight outside the residence. One of the subjects, a 21-year-old man from Vallejo, was observed attacking a victim who was down on his back. The 21-year-old male was holding a knife and presented himself as an immediate and lethal threat to the victim down on his back. One of the officers recognized the threat to the victim and fired his duty weapon at the suspect to stop the threat, unquote. Alicia's family says that's not what happened. They went out looking for information themselves. The Vallejo family is demanding answers tonight following police shooting and killing their 21-year-old relative. It happened during a house party on Sacramento Street. Police say on so a little bit after Angel died, we went to city council. Hi, everybody. My name is Alicia. I'm the sister of Angel Ramos. A month after the shooting, Alicia and her family still didn't know which VPD officer shot and killed Angel. So they asked elected officials for that information. And everybody got up and, like, demanded we get the officer's name who killed him, the autopsy report, and, um, and to view the video cameras. We demand the body cams at the VPD denied, given to our attorney. The Ramos family is demanding the release of any and all body You can let this drag out. You can help them cover it up. 
or you can listen to the family's demands, find out what actually happened, get the tapes released, and name the officer. We got two out of three. We got the officer's name, and we got to see the video cameras. The family met with then-police chief Andrew Badu on March 20th, 2017. I emailed VPD asking if this was protocol, to meet with families and show them body camera footage. I never got a response. But anyway, Alicia and her family met in the city attorney's office. Alicia says a couple of officers were there. So is a pastor, who Alicia said she didn't even know. She had no idea why he was even there. He didn't offer to pray with the family, she said. So they're sitting there, watching body camera footage, showing bits and pieces of that night. There were police cars pulling up to the scene. There's footage of the guy Angel's fighting with, egging him on. But Alicia says none of the videos show the shooting itself. Just a whole bunch of nothing, basically. It wasn't like on a huge screen, so you had to lean forward and like really watch. And they were like stopping it when they want to to say like, and this is where the cop pulled, you know, like to try to put a narrative in our own head. The family hasn't ever seen footage of the actual shooting. Melissa Nold, the lawyer representing the family in a wrongful death lawsuit against the city and Officer Jacobson, said that footage mysteriously doesn't exist. That Jacobson's camera wasn't even on. The family eventually obtained dozens of videos from that night from officers who responded to the scene before and after the shooting. None of them were from the officer who actually shot Angel. According to the lawsuit, none of the officers' lapel cameras captured the actual shooting. At this point in their meeting, Alicia didn't feel, on a basic level, that her family was getting any respect from the police chief, the leader of the department. Like the way he talked to us and no emotion, like my brother's still dead. Like you still show somebody some type of sympathy, like, you know, we just lost our loved one. I wanted to ask the Vallejo Police Department about this, the sort of dismissive manner that Alicia was talking about. But the department declined my requests for an interview, and they were clear they likely wouldn't answer any questions about a specific case. It makes it even worse because Angel was innocent, and here you're talking to us like my brother just didn't mean anything to anybody. Alicia and her lawyers acknowledge Angel was in a fight. But he didn't kill anyone, and she and her family have stressed he wasn't trying to. He didn't deserve to be shot. They told us that that there was four videos they had to show us. I think we got through three, and I argued with the chief, and we just left before it got, like, bad. Because, he, you know, he was, like, just basically saying how my brother had a knife, and what his officers are saying was true, and... I started arguing with him because I know that's a lie, and we end up just leaving. It was hard, like, that whole next week, I was, like, in a deep depression. I did nothing but just sleep and cry and go through it, and the same thing with my mom. Just brought back, like, so much emotions just seeing how chaotic everything was to have to see Angel laying there, like, bleeding out. Alicia and her family have always been skeptical of Vallejo Police's narrative of the shooting. They were there, 
And this narrative that Officer Jacobson saw Angel on top of a guy with a knife making stabbing motions, they didn't buy it. I knew they were lying for sure. And of course, they got to make up something to try to cover their butts. Alicia takes me outside to the balcony where this all went down. Where was the officer? He was downstairs in the pitch black after midnight. There was way more bushes and trees here. Um, So he shot from down there up here. One reason why Alicia is skeptical of the police's story of the shooting is that the other cop who was there, Officer Jeremy Callanan, told VPD investigators he didn't see Angel with a knife. All he saw were hand motions, like a, quote, hammer strike, that led him to believe Angel had a knife when he was shot. But even though Officer Callanan says he didn't see a knife, he still believed Angel had posed a, quote, lethal threat. He told investigators if Officer Jacobson hadn't shot Angel, he would have. That uh, Vallejo Police Department statement immediately after the shooting, I believe it was like the one that was released the morning of, said that Angel had a knife. Um, Did you see him with a knife at all? No. According to police reports, five knives were recovered from the home. Three of them were gathered from the kitchen, and it's unclear in the police report where the other two knives were found. So it made me wonder, were the knives anywhere near Angel's body? What was your name? Brandon Clay. And what is your uh, position here in the fire department? Uh, Firefighter engineer. What you're listening to is an interview VPD detective Rob Greenberg did with one of the Vallejo firefighters who responded to the scene that night. The family's attorney, Melissa Nold, obtained them as part of the police's investigation into the shooting. And the police report makes reference to these interviews from February 3rd, 2017. First, you'll hear from a firefighter who drove the engine to the scene. He went to check on Angel's body with the medic. Did you see any weapons or anything in the immediate area of the suspect? Did no. You, do you remember moving anything yeah. or kicking anything out of the way? Anything like that? No, I didn't touch anything. And here's Detective Greenberg interviewing the medic who joined the guy we just heard from. All right. Did you um, see any weapons in the area? Yeah, not that I can remember. You didn't move anything? or Didn't move anything. Okay. Didn't step on anything. Tried not to step on anything. So firefighters say there was no weapon near Angel. What about the victim? You know, the guy Angel was on top of attacking with the alleged knife? He cited in the family's lawsuit against the city, denying the official police version of events. He says Angel was clearly and obviously unarmed when he was shot. And here's one more thing Alicia cites as odd in the police's narrative of the shooting. In investigative documents, Jacobson identified two main subjects in the fight. Both of them, he said, were black men. And you mentioned once that police had identified Angel as a black man. Do you remember when they said that and what you felt when you heard that? That statement right there made me feel like he just came to kill. Like I said, Angel's very light and he had on only boxers and a rosary. Alicia hangs on this misidentification. She believes the cops had a racial bias, that police saw a couple of black people, and that's all they needed to see to shoot. I mean, it was a hectic fight, don't get me wrong, but 
I feel like everybody should have just went to jail or something. Nobody should have been murdered. The Vallejo Police Department wouldn't do a sit-down interview with me. Frankly, no one at City Hall wanted to. The city manager, Greg Nyoff, agreed to answer questions, but only via email. When I asked him if he thought the Vallejo Police Department needed a makeover, he wrote this, quote, I've been working in local government long enough to know there are lots of complexities and challenges that need to be considered before one concludes reform is required, unquote. He said in an answer to another question that he wanted residents to know that the city is listening, that one of the council's priorities is improving police community relations, which is why they're hiring a private consultant to audit the police department. He said he's working with the council on implementing reform if they determine it's needed. More on that later. Like so many family members of people shot by police, Alicia has found herself in a role she'd never thought she'd play as an activist. She was never the type to speak in front of a bunch of people comfortably, but she's been showing up to city council meetings, and she told me about how her knees still shake before every chance. Today, it's not just for Angel anymore. It's for the other people who've been shot and killed by Vallejo police since Angel. I can't just be out here fighting for Angel like it's these other people now. I just decided like it was time to do what I have to do to fight for families. The American Public Health Association considers law enforcement violence as a critical public health issue. The impacts of police violence have a rippling effect that goes beyond just the affected families. It has a broader impact on the community. After Willie McCoy's shooting, who we told you about in our last episode, Alicia knew exactly what his family was going through. She'd go and visit the site of the shooting to console the family. I was out at that Taco Bell every weekend. Just even if it was four of us, I was out there just holding up space. As soon as I walked up, I brought some candles and stuff. And their family like hugged me and started crying. And I was just like, you just felt every single pain in their body. And it's horrible. Had they, and they did they recognize your brother's name? Had they heard of that case? No, they hadn't even heard of it. Yeah, and I let them know. And I promised them I'll be by their side, and that's where I've been. I was curious about that, if the families had heard of Angel's case. Because now, things in Vallejo seem to be shifting. Before, Alicia said her family often felt alone, protesting at the city council meetings. But now the crowds are bigger people are starting to notice. Vallejo has a problem. The blood is on your hand. This case is already a huge embarrassment for the city. If these demands are not met, we will come back. And next time... There are more victims, more people impacted. 21 people have been shot and killed by Vallejo police since 2005. Alicia's family and their supporters have been critical of city leaders for not speaking up about shootings by its police officers. This is y'all city, y'all run it or whatever, but y'all pretty much on their side, and I wouldn't trust none of y'all, period. That's how I feel. Thank you. This past summer, local residents organized town halls about policing in Vallejo that the mayor and a couple city council members participated in. Families and activists say they want the state attorney general to investigate the Vallejo Police Department. 
When I reached out to the AG's office, they told me they were aware of these requests, but that they couldn't confirm or deny whether the office has chosen to open an investigation. When I asked the city what they thought of that, they wrote, quote, We are committed to being transparent and would welcome any outside agency's professional evaluation of our police practices and procedures, unquote. Still, the city wouldn't say whether it thinks there's a problem with policing in Vallejo. When I asked, the city manager wrote back saying he has a lot of respect for the men and women at the department, and that many cities are struggling with policing and retaining officers. He also said officers in Vallejo are operating with limited resources, and that he considers the independent consultant the city hired to be an investment in the department and its continued improvement. Alicia, meanwhile, says she has more and more reason to be skeptical of the police. She says she and her family have been intimidated by police officers since the shooting and since they started speaking out. On June 19, 2017, the city of Vallejo received a claim filed by Alicia's lawyers, alleging Alicia was accosted at a nightclub in the small city of Sassoon nearby by a man who claimed to be a Vallejo police officer. The claim says Alicia had a few words with the man before he grabbed her face and told her to stop doing what she was doing. Alicia presumed he was referring to the lawsuit her family had just filed against the city. Alicia's lawyer says the claim never went anywhere. At a city council meeting this past June, Alicia talked about another incident of what she felt was police intimidation. Just the other day, there was three cops on Nebraska and Sonoma um, I pulled up to the light. I just saw they were to the left of me, so I looked to see what was going on. One officer points at me, and about five other officers come from behind the cars to look. He waves and starts cracking up. What are they laughing at, that they murdered my brother? Are they laughing because Jacobson is getting away with murdering my brother? Like, what I want to know what is so funny. The fight to change the narrative around Angel's death has taken a toll on Alicia. She's since moved out of the house where the shooting happened. She couldn't handle being there. She felt guilty facing her mom. Like, if they'd all just stopped fighting that night, then police would have never showed up. She sometimes gets hung up on the what-ifs and I should-haves when she thinks about that night. But on April 25th of this year, Alicia got a chance to view more police body camera footage from that night that her lawyers obtained. And what she saw was something that she hadn't seen before. For two years now, I like kind of blame myself, like, because I found out my brother died, like, literally next to me. And I like blame myself, like, how come you didn't help him? How could you be that drunk and not know that your brother was hurt? But in the video that we watched, I was screaming for them to call the ambulance and help my brother. So that was like a big weight off my chest. Alicia lives elsewhere in Vallejo now, but her mom stays alone, in the same house where Angel was killed. And I can't imagine what that's like, to have to see that balcony and be reminded of what happened there. It seems so hard to stay in a place with so many bad memories. I asked Alicia if she or her mom ever think about leaving Vallejo, and she said no, not yet, not until her brother's case is over. 
I just didn't want the cops to feel like they won and scared us out of here. So Alicia stays to say Angel's name at City Hall, to make sure his death isn't for nothing. And maybe this time, with the support of other families who've lost loved ones in police killings, that maybe this time things will change in Vallejo. But Alicia doesn't have much to refer to as a sign that things can change, because this has all happened in Vallejo before. Like back in 2012, when families made noise over the deaths of Mario Romero, Jeremiah Moore, Anton Barrett. So how did we get here? And what makes this moment any different? That's next time on The Bay. Since this episode first aired last August, there have been some updates. Last month, California Attorney General Javier Becerra announced plans to review and reform the Vallejo Police Department. The State Department of Justice will work with the city and Vallejo Police to create a plan to improve use of force procedures, anti-bias training, community policing, and accountability. This review is different from what's known as a pattern or practice investigation, which would allow the AG to investigate the department and force changes through the courts, though the review that is happening could lead to that. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it for the Bay. We'll see you next time. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Fettah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.